This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Steve. And this is Ryan. You're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing podcast. <laughs> what accent was that? I don't know. It's, You're like slipping into like an Italian chef yeah, or something. As I was like running out of breath, I was doing like this super racist Mario impression. <laughs> you want a pizza pie a podcast? Yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, welcome back to the show. Hey. What's new, Steve? Um, so I think the day after we did our last set of recordings, I finally sold my jazz bass. Yeah, yeah, finally gone. Finally gone. What'd you get for it? Uh, I got 800 bucks for it. I sold it to a guy who 800? lives... 800? 800. What were you asking? Uh, 800. Oh, well, you got what you wanted. Originally, I had it up for nine, but I, I mean, I would have sold as low as like 750. Yeah. Long story really short. How much did you pay for that bass? Um, out of my own pocket, 100. Total, total. 300. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so the the dude drove down like he drove down like two hours, but that's kind of just where the market's at right now with with bases. It's yeah. like if you want a good deal, you might have to drive up to L.A. or down here from L.A. Um, so I got that. I brought it home, and right away uh, I just snapped my fingers. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, but right For away we effect. took. Originally, like my goal was to just take that and like go straight into buying another American jazz bass. Sure, or American a four string four string. Um, but then the idea got in my head that this could be like seed money for flipping. Uh huh. So I took two hundred dollars of it and put it in the bank because we wanted to buy a loft bed for my kid. Uh huh. And then I took the second two hundred dollars and I found a deal on Craigslist like right away for a Fender made in Mexico Stratocaster with mm-hmm. the humbucker single single configuration. And a Roland Cube 15, and this guy was selling it for $200. Nice. Um, so I bought that, cleaned it up, uh, slapped some new strings on it. This, like the guy had owned it, I don't know how long, but I don't think he actually ever played it. Yeah. The strings were like nasty. It looks pristine, except for like it has some like random weird weather aging on certain yeah. parts. Like this, this, the, the strap hooks the strap buttons yeah have like rust on them it's, it's like, weird but the rest of the body is pristine a little bit of rust on the bridge no no rust on the tuners or anything else the you know the the rest of it is completely pristine it's crazy i think the the pickups are pristine right no the pickups have a little bit of rust on like rust. the screws and on the and on the magnets so it's uh, like it just slugs it's like the guy bought it and then he hung it on a on the wall next to a window or something. Yeah, well, and there's like a sea breeze coming in, and that's kind of like what in my ad I said, like, oh, previous owner 
like or one of the previous owners because I, I yeah i don't know if the guy I bought it from was the original owner sure i just like previous owner probably lived in one of like the beach towns uh-huh because this looks like beach wear. the thing that's actually really weird about it is that like even the frets have like a very like slight patina to them huh um but the frets are pristine like there's right. z- there's no string wear on the frets like i th- literally i think this guy bought it and maybe played it like a dozen times right. the whole time he owned it and he actually told me like that he was a drummer and that he had picked up bass uh, okay. that then he was like wanting to learn guitar so he got this stuff and then he just never learned any of it and he need, er, and needed some cash gotcha um so i've got the amp up for probably too much i think i put it up for like 80 yeah i'm probably gonna bring it down to 60 I mean, I I got my microcube. I think I paid forty or thirty for that thing. Yeah, they go any day of the week for fifty on Craigslist. Yeah, if I can get more than like, if, if someone offered me forty dollars for the Cube Fifteen, I would sell it at forty. Yeah, right, yeah. right now, um, the Strat I've got up for three seventy five, which is also like really high. That's pretty high. Um, that's all. That's close to like a new price almost for those. Well, they're five hundred bucks now. No, I mean when that when that one. Oh, came when out. that one was new, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. that was what you would have paid on sale at Guitar Center for that guitar. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I got an email like today for three hundred bucks, it'd be gone. Hear that, listeners? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we call it a tidy. I mean, that's just on the guitar alone. That's a hundred dollars up, and then if I can get forty bucks for the amp, that's plus one forty. Yeah, and that's this is, a really good uh, profit ratio yeah, right there. And, and we kind of talked about this um, a little bit in the. Uh, oh, shoot. What'd you just drop? I don't know. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the group. Uh, <laughs> I and, so much uh, noise. I know. This is Sorry. horrible. Sorry. Um, but this is kind of uh, what I I talked my wife into letting me do this because this is like eight hundred dollars out of nowhere from the base. Uh huh. And I was like, I was like, I can make money on crisis. Like I know I can do this. Sure. I think I can bring in like a decent amount of money per month like not a ton because i'm not going to devote like hours and hours to do this but gas money food money diaper money sure sure that kind of stuff um fun money fun money and uh student loan money yeah there you go Uh (laughs) and so i kind of convinced her like if we put 800 dollars in the bank we're just going to spend it yeah it's gone Or i'm just going to like pay off a credit card and i actually think i can make i think i can flip fast enough to outpace an interest rate. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like my mindset. <laughs> that's your goal? Well, well, I'm just saying like, <laughs> I'm saying like if I'm sitting on this strat for like two months before I sell it, then it, uh-huh. then it doesn't, like it becomes a diminishing return. Yeah, yeah. Because like, oh, I could have just paid down like $800 worth of interest or whatever on sure, like a credit sure. card or a student loan. Um, but if this is something that I can do continuously, then... It can be like an extra hundred, two hundred bucks a month, right? That start, you know, that's an extra two, three thousand dollars a year, dep- you know. Sure, yes, two thousand. I mean, for I think for most people, this would be way too much effort for the amount of money that you would make. But I think it's also an entertainment thing the, for you. There's definitely an entertainment thing because you enjoy getting you know these random instruments and doing what it takes to fix them up and kind of yeah. playing the game of of knowing when something is underpriced and going and getting it and putting in the driving time and all that sort of yeah, stuff. It's, 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 uh, it's semi gambling. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's closer to investing than gambling. 
Well, yeah. I mean, you're but, never going to buy something that you know that you won't at least break even on. Right, right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's always that that 1% chance that you buy the guitar that falls apart as soon as it gets sure, home. Sure, sure. Um, but what can really... I mean, unless the neck... Like if the, the truss rod snaps or something, yeah. like how bad can it be? Really? And then you can part stuff out and probably get close to breaking even on eBay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm just, so now I'm actually watching Craigslist a lot more than, than I have for the last few years. Uh-huh. Uh, there's another strat up right now. That's, uh, the same color. Yeah. I think almost the same. It's, the one that I picked up is a 2004. The one that's on Craigslist is a 2003. Also for two hundred dollars, but it, the bridge pickup doesn't work, so it probably just yeah, it's has probably like the a switch, busted wire, or something. It's, like I think it's a switch. Think it needs a full. Going to need a full switch replacement. Or no, just I think a, you just need to open it up and rebend the little piece that right. connects to where the bridge connects. Well, that's my guess too. Yeah, that, either, like either, nine times out of ten, if one pickup isn't working, that's probably what it is. Yeah, and the other time, it's the the wire fell off, like the ground wire fell off, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Because uh, pickups, you know, there's no moving parts. They're just sitting there. Right. It's so rare that one would just fail. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I haven't looked into it because, it, one, because this week has just been super busy. Sure. And two, because I don't want to start stockpiling straps. Yeah. All of a sudden, you've got 15 midnight wine straps yeah, th- sitting so th- around. So that's the other thing. So the the, H- <laughs> the one that I already bought is a Fender Midnight Wine. Uh-huh. The one that is this three pickup is also a Fender Midnight Wine. Yeah. It's like, and Midnight Wine, aside from, there's, I think, two colors in the Fender palette that I dislike more than Midnight Wine. Right. Um, Black, and then the... I like is it I think Olympic white is the pure white Ar- uh-huh. and Arctic white is like that yellow white no I think Olympic white is the yellowish one Arctic which, Arctic is the pure whichever one is the one that l- looks old you don't like the yellowish I one? don't like the yellowish one Interesting. I like the yellowish one when it's an Olympic white that's been like that you can just tell is old right um so it's like I love the color of aged pickup covers. Sure, like, like a cream color. Like that kind of cream pickup cover or like especially cream on like a white pick card. Yeah. But for some reason uh that white that off-white color just I don't know, I don't like it. Interesting. Yeah. I always really like the ones that have like the uh, like the opaque white finish like where you can see a little bit of white wood grain oh, yeah. through it. Yeah. Translucent. Tra- Opaque like, is like you can't see. Uh, yeah. Translucent. Yeah, translucent. I'm an artist. I'm supposed to know this stuff. What's going on over here? Uh, so do we want yeah, to get into Yeah, you adjust Addison? the opacity, and when the opacity is 100%, you can't see through it. Right, right. Come on, Ryan. You do this every day. <laughs> oh, man. Let's let's move into ads. You want to hit one of your ads first? Sure. Um, speaking of Arctic White, I think Arctic White is pure white. Yeah. Um, it's like snow. Oh, wait. No, we just said that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so this is one that I found yesterday, and I sent it to Ryan. Um, this is a Gibson Les Paul Studio Arctic White for 600 bucks in downtown San Diego. Uh-huh. And uh, it comes with, like, a leopard print case, which probably... It doesn't. Read the it, bottom of the ad. No oh, case. Oh, no case. Yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Well, in that case... You uh, sent this to me the other night uh, as a, a flipping prospect. You're like, oh, look at this. I bet I could make money yeah. on this. And then I got on the eBay, and I'm not so sure. There's a lot of variety. I think with the case, I still think you could get 800 for it. There's a lot of these going for for 800 sure, on but eBay. Like, like I said, no case. Yeah, without the case, um, 
it just going from 600 i still think i could push 700 and just in a gig bag but yeah but going from six to seven like just the profit margins i mean it's, 16, it's too slim 16 percent um and uh i don't know it's probably a great playing guitar though whoever is going to get that is going to have a great time with it i've always like i think if i ever get a les paul it's either going to be white or it's going to be uh what was it? it's going to be gold gold yeah classic gold top yeah classic gold top i like you know it's i like different color like different colors they've done i think my favorite from the studio line color wise is um is kind of just like the classic black and chrome maybe really um i actually don't like their burst in the studio line because mm. so the studio line is uh it's still it's a mahogany body maple cap but the, they use i don't want to say they use low grade maple but they don't use like figured maple for the right. cap it's not the pretty maple yeah so it's like they get a big pile of maple into the factory and they're like okay here's the pretty stuff and here's the stuff we put paint on yeah so typically like your finishes for the studio at least this era of the studio line uh-huh um are all like solid finishes and i've t- tr- i've always been like a big sunburst fan but the Sunburst Studios I've seen, I've just never thought looked good. Right, Because right. they're like, like I said, I think Sunburst, sun, uh, Translucent Sunburst, we're using that word a lot yeah. this week. Uh, <laughs> like just, you know, it looks really good. The Solid uh-huh. Sunburst, for some reason, just looks cheap to me. I think I would get into TV Yellow, too, like on a, on the Les Paul Juniors. Yeah. I like the TV Yellow. The, the one finish they did that... I start. I'm kind of gotten over how much I hate the finish uh-huh. because I've really liked the guitars I've played. Are the uh, when they originally did the Les Paul f- Studio Fadeds? Originally, it was just the Les Paul Faded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Didn't Daniel like, Tyak have one? Of yeah, those? he had worn one. I think the worn cherry or the worn. Yeah. I think it was the cherry. He played that guitar for a long time. Yeah. I really I don't like that finish. I don't like the worn finishes. I like the natural general. ones, like that has kind of like a maple or yeah. like a, a what is what am I thinking of? I think like yeah, the, like the maple look, the maple or like this the clear. It's just where it's like clear coated. Yeah. Well, I, part of the reason I don't like the the faded and and people, some people say like, oh, this is the best kind of finish. I like glossy finishes, mm-hmm. and so it's it takes a lot for me to like get into like satinized finishes. Sure. And that's what the Les Paul Fadeds have are these satin finishes. And when it's a satin finish, especially in like a single solid color, it just like, I don't know, something about it just doesn't sit well with yeah. me. Well, it's satin, but it's also like an extremely thin finish. Right. Like you see those now that people have been playing for a while and they're starting to get that kind of like a natural wear on them. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. Yeah. But a lot of people like really thin finishes like that. Because they feel like it lets the wood breathe or it lets the guitar breathe a little bit more. Uh, I don't know how much truth is in that, but if you are feeling a difference and you enjoy the way it feels, and you know, why wouldn't you do that? Well, I know, like all of my guitars, like I had a set of lungs installed into them. <laughs> Those guitars so, really breathe, so they could breathe. I mean, better. that one though is is taking up smoking. I don't know. Yeah, I've, we've been trying to tell it to quit, but you know, maybe maybe it'll sound pretty cool. Well, it's got that when real, it gets that like ra- it's got that, that rasp. It's got that real like uh, emphysema thing going bluesy on. cigarette burn <laughs> vibe going on. Oh man, sounds just like Keith Richards. Yeah, when he sings, he's he sings on some of the roles. Does he? he? I think he's like the main. 
He's like the main not Mick Jagger vocalist in okay. the Rolling Stones. All right. I've never thought of him as singing. It shows what yeah, I know. I think like all of the harmonies on like Rolling Stones tracks are... Yeah. I, don't e- I can't even imagine him talking. I just imagine him smoking. Well, just just think... <laughs> just He talks in uh, like one smoking, of those... Like if you ask him a question, he just smokes and he nods. He talks in that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, that's in. true. That's true. He sounds just like Johnny Depp doing an impression... Of, of Keith, Keith Richards. Richards. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, what's the ad that you've got over oh, there? Oh, okay. So easily like two months ago, three months ago. Jeez, At it least. might have been longer than that. Uh, if uh, I have uh, – there's a, a guy that I've played shows with named Jason Lee. If you guys don't know who he not is – Not the skateboarder. Not the skateboarder. Slack actor. Not the actor. Uh, look him up online. Uh, he's this guy who's got this great big pompadour, like the biggest hair you've seen in your life. Big blonde. Is pompadour. that what that's supposed to be? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a hyper exaggeration of a pompadour. I always just thought it was supposed to look like a horseshoe. A horseshoe? Well, it does from the back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. From the front, it looks. It kind of has like a Johnny Bravo sort of thing yes. going on. Yeah. Um, uh, look this guy up. He's done a ton of really great guitar reviews and great uh, other gear reviews and uh, guitar lessons that are centric on kind of the rockabilly surf rock kind of thing. Uh, he's kind of a minor celebrity within the guitar world. Sure. He, he works up at Carvin right now. Yeah. Uh, but I've played some shows with him and uh, we were talking about Carvin and I was telling him, oh man, I'd just really like to get my hands on you know, like a vintage carbon guitar. And I was talking about ones from the sixties because yeah. they have these really bizarre body shapes that have like almost like a violin cut on the top edge of it. Right. Where it's got that weird, like, like spike coming out and they have uh, neat, like tremolos and pickups on them and stuff. And so he ran into a vintage seventies carbon at a guitar shop and then uh, started chatting me up and was peer pressuring me hard to go buy this guitar he's like you have to go buy this right now blah 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 you have to go buy it and i was like oh i can't buy another guitar i've got one on order and this one is when i was waiting for the hallmark and oh my wife is pregnant i had all these excuses and he's like well go check it out you got to offer this guy this much money uh, right. you got to go see it and so i finally this past week i went out and i got to go check this guitar out uh and what it is is i think it's like a 73 uh carvin guitar and it's in a really funky spot as far as Carvin's development goes. It's got a strat body on it, which was new for Carvin in the 70s to start doing yeah. strat bodies. But then it's got the same pickups that they used in the 60s. I forget the model names of these pickups, but they're kind of sought after in like the rockabilly kind of scene. Huh. Uh, they're single coils, but they have like this really unique look. Uh, it's got an original uh, like die cast... Bigsby on it, which was just awesome to play with. I was having a great time playing with oh, the yeah. Bigsby, and then uh, it's you know it's got it's got two pickups, you know three way switch volume tone for each pickup. Uh, the thing that I really found interesting about this guitar is that it's a '70s guitar, but right. the neck still feels kind of like a modern carbon, like it's got that flat like really? wizard radius, yeah. but then like. The shape of it fills your hand just a little bit more than okay. current carbon, but it definitely has a super flat radius, and I wonder if that is something that 
is on their even older guitars. Like if you get into their fifties or sixties guitars, do this is that flat radius still there? Yeah, I don't know because it just felt like this wants to be a shredder guitar, even though it looks like more of a vintagey kind of funky seventies sort of thing. But it was just a really great guitar to play. I was having a lot of fun playing it. How much are they asking for? Uh, on the tag, it says five ninety nine. Right. But when I was trying it, and after I put it down, the sales guy came around, and he was like, "Oh, how much is that guitar right now? Like four ninety nine?" And then he <laughs> went, wa- walked over and turned the tag around. And he's like, "Oh shoot, you should have taken me up on that." <laughs> so I kind of get the feeling that if someone walked in there and offered, you know, five hundred even, or even went to like four fifty, then you would be getting into bargaining territory with these yeah, guys. I- it's at Freedom Guitar here in San Diego. Yeah, I haven't been over to Freedom in a long time. Um, for you guys who are big g- gear junkies, like weird gear toys, Freedom Guitar uh, was a guitar shop in San Diego that was um, established by the Bowen Brothers. Yeah, and uh, famous for the Bowen Bar. Yeah, so I was gonna. Yeah, they're famous for the Bowen Bar, which was like a slap in. Like trim for you would put it on this on the like stock Les tail Pauls. piece on any sort of Les Paul style yeah. setup. And I've read really mixed reviews on them. Uh huh. Some people say they're great. Other people say they're terrible. And the rumor that I heard, and this was like the last. This was probably around the last time I went in there. Actually, I, you know, I bought my acoustic 150 from Freedom Guitar. Did you? Yeah, I, paid, I didn't know that. Paid uh, like two ten out the door. Wow, it's like one ninety nine plus tax. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I bought that there. And um, I could have gotten cheaper on eBay at the time, but whatever. Sure, sure. But it was there. It was there. Yeah. And it looked cool. And I knew I, that was I knew a little bit about acoustic, not as much as I know now. Uh huh. Um, but anyway, from the rumor that I've heard, is that the Bowen bars that Freedom Guitar currently sells uh-huh. are the original shipment of Bowen bars, like that, the first production. Line. Yeah, that there was only one production run, and they thought they were going to be super successful, and they've spent like the last twenty twenty five years trying to get rid of them. Wow! And that like, if you, I'm sure if you, I mean, unless they've actually gotten rid of them. They still have them there. If they have them there, did you look? take a close look at the packaging? No, I didn't. Okay, if you go down there again at some point, uh-huh. look at the packaging. I'm pretty sure it's still like this super like late 80s, early 90s, like neon. It's oh, like really? a neon blue, neon red combination. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Freedom Guitar is a really cool store. It's really cool. Like if you're if you're into the stuff that we talk about on this show... You're going to have a great time at Freedom Guitar if you're in San Diego. Yeah. Like, if I was in a situation where I got to just go on a shopping spree of guitars, they would be on my list of places to go. They have tons of amps. They have tons. Like, it's just a huge wall. It's. I don't think they sell anything new. I think it's all, like, older used stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think I they feel have like they anything might have, new. I feel like they might have a handful of new things, but not very much. No. If any, you know. And not, but they have I, I'm saying that because... Fun. It's kind of like a good. museum. You go there well, just to look. And see, that's the thing is I was talking to actually um, one of the kids in Penelope's preschool. Uh-huh. Uh, his dad used to work at Freedom. Oh, really? And actually, his dad was the guy that sold me my uh, jazz bass knobs. Oh, okay. Uh when I went there. So I, when I met him, he was like, you look really familiar. I'm like, you look really familiar too. He's like, and we started talking about different things and music and whatever. He's like, have you ever shopped at freedom? Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, like I've not, I haven't bought anything there in a while, but I used to go in every once in a while. And he's like, he's like, 
we've had conversations in freedom about gear. Yeah. Cause like I, I used to work there and, uh, but he, he was telling me like he was trying to throw out different ideas cause that store's in decline. Yeah. And I, a lot of it is just because I don't think people know what's going on there. Yeah. Some of the stuff is, is overpriced. I mean, from, from our perspective, it, it looks like it's in decline. Maybe it's not. And we just don't know. I hope it isn't. I, think I hope it, that they're paying their bills and I hope they're making money. It was funny uh, when I went in there uh, and I was playing around with the carvin. Like the guy didn't right. see me come in and the door dinger didn't go off for some oh. reason. And so I was sitting down playing around with this thing unplugged. And whoever, I, you know, the boss man was walking around in the back and he heard, just heard someone like plinking at a guitar. And I think he thought I was one of his coworkers, oh. and he like started yelling at me, like "You better not just be fiddling around with guitars right now. They've got stuff to do." And I, was like, I like stood up and I like looked for him, and he was in the back room. And I was like, "He thinks that I'm his employee. That's funny. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing." And then he came out, and he's like, "Oh, uh, we have a customer." Yeah, <laughs> but it's a, it's an interesting vibe there. I think it's a great shop. It's I a, hope it's a really like yeah. weird mix of like guitar center use section meets mom and pop. Uh huh. And maybe decline wasn't the right word, but it's one of those things where freedom should be awesome. There should be people there shopping. Every freedom day. should be like Central San Diego's version of Buffalo Brothers. They keep which closed. Really? Yeah, it's gone. I didn't know that. Yeah, so maybe uh, you're maybe right. Maybe they shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, but I mean, you know, they, they should... keep really weird hours. Yeah. Freedom should be a destination for like... Sure. It should be on the list of like, like I guess Buffalo Brothers is gone now, but like... Yeah. Uh, when people say like, oh, I'm in San Diego, what guitars, where should I go for like check out guitar stores? Yeah. I'd always say like, oh, Buffalo Brothers, uh, maybe like Super Sound Music in Escondido is supposed to be really cool. Okay. Uh, like maybe Moe's out in La Mesa. Okay. And even though I've shopped at Freedom, I bought stuff from Freedom, I never think of Freedom because they're just like, they're not out there. I don't feel like They're not that far away from the Guitar Center, though. They're not. Like, they're just kind of hidden back in, like, a neighborhood area. Um, Well, they're on El Cajon. Yeah, but people... It's a main drag. If you're going to Guitar Center, you're on the freeway. You don't get on... No, there's not that there's not that much traffic on that part of El Cajon. I mean, it's pretty close to college, right? Maybe they maybe they're kept afloat by the college crowd, and that's why they keep weird hours. Maybe uh, they do. I think they do like instrument rentals. Well, too. they also do like online. They do online yeah. sales. They do different things like to make things work. I've it just, would be interesting to get one of the guys from there on the podcast and talk to them. Yeah. And find out, you know, maybe they would be down to be honest about the state of their business and I, uh, the way uh, things are. All I'm saying is, like, I'm sure that they're doing pawn shop, like a pawn shop model. They're buying, you know, they're sure. buying used gear. They might be doing some consignment. I th- some consignment. I just think that they could probably, um, I don't know. I think if people knew, like, hey, if they started, like, putting themselves out there as, like, the premier vintage guitar dealer in san diego sure like, like people would be like oh the place where you go to get weird stuff you yeah know? like when i think of when i think of like vintage guitars in san diego like i don't i just don't think of anything as like a vintage guitar right. store like this is the kind of place you go to get real vintage melody makers they have a mose right hanging on the yeah. wall they have the real like tiscos and del rey's they have all that awesome older oh, stuff. Oh, the last time I was in there, they had like 70s BC Riches. Yeah. They, they have, have like all awesome... these 70s like Ibanez artist yeah. models from the 70s. Uh, like just these like classic yeah. kind of 
sought after, but not like sought after Fender, sought after Gibson, but like sought after like Ibanez, yeah. BC Rich, Yamaha, like stuff from the seventies and they early eighties. They have 80s. neat like eighties shredder stuff yeah. that you don't see around anymore. You know, they'll have like if I had to bet money on which guitar shop in San Diego would have like an ovation breadwinner, it would be Freedom. Oh, definitely. You know, a thousand times out of ten. You yeah, know, a thousand out of ten. <laughs> um, anyway, so if you're interested in seeing what kind of stuff they stock, uh, they do list their stuff yeah. online. I don't think they do pictures. Yeah, they don't really do pictures, so you can kind of like see what the listing is, yeah. and then just imagine in your head what that looks like. I wouldn't be surprised if they're playing the the eBay game pretty hard. Uh putting their stuff on eBay and that sort of thing. Like buying, yeah. Uh, you know what? I think I, I know. I've seen some of their stuff on eBay before. I forget yeah. what their um, what their like username is, but I, I'm pretty sure I used to see their stuff every once in a while. Sure. Um, so yeah, Freedom Guitar. Yeah, they're great. Check them out if you're in the area. If you're not in the area, check them out online. Uh, do you want to do the next ad? Yeah, this is our. Uh, I think our last ad. It is, and this is uh, from sending. Uh, this was actually posted to the page by Trip Barker. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Trip. Excuse me. He says, It's an hour away. It's an hour's drive away. But I'm thinking about it. I left him a message asking what's wrong with it to make it just a parts guitar. This is a Squire Strat. Um, I'm not sure which series it is. Uh, but it, the guy's selling it for 20 bucks. Yeah. In Athens, Georgia. And um, my comment on it was, I've sold those Nicks alone for more than $20. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, for $20, if you see something like that, if it's any of the Fender brands, even if that was Rogue, for $20, go out your door, call the guy while you're driving, and go get it. You yeah. Because you can, you, you know, at the very least, that's cheap wall decoration, you know? Yeah. You throw that on your wall, and you can throw darts at it for the rest of your life. You know, <laughs> that's a great twenty dollars dartboard. Yeah, something like this. In fact, I'm I've taken. I'm pretty sure I've taken Squires. Well, for this guitar at twenty dollars, I would just fix it. it just, yeah. Who knows what's wrong with it? It doesn't have strings on it. There's not like we talked about earlier. Unless the neck's broken, pretty much everything else on the guitar. What could be wrong with it? It is fixable. Um, I mean, I guess maybe if the tuners are shot, that would be cost prohibitive. But something like this, I would, I would figure out what's broken as long as it's not the neck. If it's just a, a lot of the times we talked about like electronics being shot. Yeah, I've had guitars that were broken, whereas one of the leads on the input was oh, yeah. what fell out because somebody like pulled the jack sure. too hard or something, or just a little connectors loose, and so it yeah. doesn't hold the plug anymore. And uh, so you go in there, you you know, you spend more time taking the guitar apart than you do actually fixing it. Yeah, and you, you put this back up on Craigslist for eighty bucks, and you just made sixty bucks. You just yeah. bought, a, you just got a Shoot. steak dinner. Put that back on Craigslist for fifty bucks, and you made thirty bucks. I mean, yeah. it's guaranteed money if you're looking to flip. It's Thirty a, bucks. That's like five California burritos. It's a guaranteed wall decoration for twenty dollars. It's a guaranteed a uh, bucket of parts. Like you need random parts for your other guitars. You can cannibalize it off of that guitar. Like oh, you need a strap button. You got a strap button right there. You need an output jack. You got output yeah. jacks. You even need cable. You can open that up and cut out pieces of cable and use the cable for your other guitars. You know. Um. Yeah, if you're that desperate, uh I've been that desperate before. 
<laughs> well, I have a guitar that uh, you remember Big Red, like my yeah, uh, yeah. YFB guitar. I've been slowly cannibalizing off of that no. thing for a while. Yeah, I took the it's output terrible, jack dude. out of it. It's all stuff that I swear, like, oh, if I ever want to play this guitar, I'll just you know put this stuff back in it. But oh it's like I God. took the strap buttons off of it. I took the output jack out of it. I think I. I've been thinking about taking you the pickup out of it. Did you seriously cannibalize wire out of it? No, I haven't. But I have cannibalized wire off of old uh, pit guard assemblies and stuff. Oh man, I do funky I th- stuff, man. You know I that. I think I think uh, I've got. I bought like three spools of wire back when Radio Shack still had a store. Yeah, my house. I got like three spools, like seventy-five feet of I think 22 or 24 gauge yeah. which is like perfect for doing guitar wiring it's not as good for doing pedal wiring but it's perfect for guitar wiring sure I think it was like 10 bucks yeah 75 feet I'm never going to run out of guitar wire <laughs> I even have I have Radio Shack spools, but sometimes, sometimes I don't know I where those are. Oh sometimes I know where a pickguard is, That's or terrible. I'm already taking other things off that pickguard. Well, and, and I mean, and so I, I was going to bring that up. The pickguard. This has twenty dollars. What's the cost of a pickguard? Pickguards are like fifteen bucks. Yeah, right? totally. There's a pickguard right there. That pickguard will fit on any you know strat that's yeah. made by Fender. You want to make your SG a strat SG? Get this guitar. <laughs> I mean, you can you can grab the pickups out of there. The pickups might sound all right. No, they probably sound terrible. Well, yeah, I have the theory that uh, that the bridge pickups are the only ones where you can really tell the difference of quality. And yeah, then okay. On a neck pickup, you could really throw anything in there, and it's going to sound pretty decent. I okay. Just I can, because I know what you're saying. there's more motion from the string up by the neck pickup, yeah. so like it doesn't matter how good the pickup is, like the string kind of overwhelms what's yeah, going on. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more forgiveness there. Yeah, but the bridge pickup, you can. I feel like I can really tell quality in a bridge pickup. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the topic. Sure. A uh, story behind this is two weeks ago I posted on the Facebook group right before we started recording. Oh, send us topics because we didn't have anything to talk about. We came up with our own topics. Or we had emails we for actually, topics. I, yeah, we actually already had topics. Uh, and so you guys all just blasted us with you know a bunch of topics on the Facebook group, and we didn't get to touch any of them. And I think we're just going to run through a bunch of them right yeah. now and do like a hyper topic. Grab bag. <laughs> Is that what you want to call this? Uh, a gra- to- grab bag topics? Uh, um, sure. First one from Harry Kane. Harry Kane's a relatively new guy on there. Yeah. Uh, he's I, From his picture, he's kind of a young guy. He is well, a young guy. Welcome to the group, Harry Kane. Uh, talk about essentials for church as a lead guitarist. Try to build a rig on a budget. So, like, maybe a tuner, a delay, maybe a reverb, and, like, two drives and an amp and a guitar. That would be cool. Uh, I'll, I'll do a rundown of this real quick. We're going to do a format where... Only one of us does an answer, and then we move on to the next question. All right, question. yeah, sure. Uh, if I was trying to put together just a church rig on the budget, knowing what I know now, uh, I would probably, f- from my experience, I would get a, you know whatever uh, was the last current model of a Line 6 multi-FX. So, okay. you know, like a pod HD or something like that, yeah. like a floor unit, go direct mm-hmm. into the system if that works for the church. And then I would get uh, some kind of import guitar. Uh, I would probably get another uh, $200 Hamer. So with that rig, it would probably be around 400 bucks. Mm, and that would the HTs are pretty expensive. Well, what, whatever pod. You're saying like the one before. It's so like the X3. Yeah, the X3. Get oh, okay. a pod X3. 
that's going to be you know somewhere between 150 and 200 bucks. Yeah. Get a 200 dollar guitar. Get a 30 dollar cable. Uh, and then you're going to be set. That's like the very most budget I would go. If I was going to go any bigger than that, I would probably get myself, uh, you know, whatever tube amp I could find that had a good clean channel on it. Yeah. Then I would get a, obviously a tuner. So either a TU2 or a, uh, a poly tuner. And then I would get a, uh, a tube screamer. And I would get probably just a very simple delay. Probably. Would you get like? Would you? Yeah, you know, I've get... been. I've been. I've had my eye on those uh, TC Electric flashbacks for a while now. Okay. Uh, I think that would be cool. Would you try to get an amp with reverb? Um, or would you tr- go with X? Ex- See, reverb is such a weird thing because in our building, I you. It really we depends about on the this building. Before with with the custom. I don't use re- I don't have reverb. Sure. But I don't miss reverb our using building, that custom. Our building is a reverb tank. Yeah, our building is Noah's Ark upside down. Yeah. Uh, but if you do need reverb, I just name drop TC Electric. You could get one of those new mini Hall of Fame reverbs. Those peop those peop uh, those work out pretty good uh, yeah. from what I've heard. Uh and you can program them to have whatever kind of like shimmer verb you want or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's that question. Let's uh, maybe I let's save the next one for for me. I'll talk about that okay. next. Okay, you take Harry Kane's next question. All right, Harry Kane's got a second question. Talk about how you fill space when there aren't specific parts assigned. Like like how do you create riffs? Uh, for me, it's all about listening uh, to what the song's doing. Sometimes, uh, sometimes that means listening to the original recording and seeing if there's things you like about it. Sometimes it's just listening to the song and and thinking creatively like, okay, this song... Sometimes we have songs that that we'll do and I'll be like, okay, this song to me sounds kind of like a third eye blind kind of a sure, riff going sure. on. So I, so I start thinking about like what kind of riffs would are in like third eye blind songs. Um, sometimes we do something that's like, you know, more mellow. So, you know, it's just kind of like feeling where the song's at it and... and um, just working starting from the position of what can I play that's going to best serve the song and sometimes that means not playing yeah absolutely and that's something or letting someone else play yeah and sometimes I think that is something that a lot of guitar players I mean I'm guilty uh, are guilty of (laughs) are guilty of they forget yeah like when you're in wow my voice is cracked Uh, when you're 13-year-old Steve over here. Yeah, when when you're in a a worship team setting, you just have to know what you have. Like, our our worship team is like, what, one, two, three, four, like a five-piece band, basically. Sure, give or take. Well, uh, two two guitars, drums, bass, and piano. Yeah, sometimes we don't have a second. Sometimes we have a third guitar, sometimes. Yeah, so five or six-piece, but minimally, I would say that we are a five-piece band. Yeah, yeah. And um, so sometimes it's just listening to what else, everything else is going I would say, like for uh, for our band, like, and this isn't just me be- talking because this is. I don't feel like I'm bi- being biased saying this. Uh-huh. A lot of the time, I feel like we could we could get away with on certain songs only having the bass and the drums playing, and sometimes sure. we do that. Sure. But I think a lot of times, electric guitar players and it's, and worship leaders, because as a worship leader, an acoustic guitar is it's there and you feel like I'm in the front 
whether or not people should be looking at me, they are. So I feel like I need to play this thing. Uh huh. Um, one of my pet peeves is like the country music guy who's got an acoustic guitar, but it's not even plugged in or like he never right, plays right. it. He's a stage guy. Yeah. Um, so you just have that drive and so- sometimes it's hard to like not play. Yeah. And I think, I think so, you know, I guess the reason I'm t- talking about this so much is because it says, uh, cause Harry, you asked, or you said, talk about how to fill space. Sometimes you just don't need to fill space. Right, right. Space is good. Um, well, what I do if there's a part where I don't have an actual part to play, but I still kind of want to be in the mix to fill it out, is you know you get a volume pedal and you get a long delay and you kind of just drop your ambient swells in there and uh, you know learn your scales, learn where your harmonies are, learn how to follow a melody, and then right. and when you learn those things, all that's going to just going to come natural. Yeah. Or you're just going to overplay like crazy. Like, yeah, totally. That's what I do. All right, so. <laughs> I'm going to tackle this one from, uh, from Kenny. Uh, Kenneth was trying to be a little bit of a troll, I think. Uh, his first question was, talk about racism in tur surf rock community. <laughs> uh, I think he was trying to troll me a little bit. Uh, I don't, I'm not aware of any actual, like, element of full racism in the surf rock community i'm sure there's people who are in the surf rock community who are racist there's always racist people around uh i was thinking about this question and it's been you know a little bit of thought in my mind that uh like the whole kind of like uh polynesian pop tiki exotica sort of thing right that could be kind of iffy it probably is iffy you know you'd have to ask you know, a Polynesian person, if they're offended by it sort of thing, or if they're down with it, because uh, a lot of that is still like the aesthetic that's chosen as part of modern culture in their geographical areas. Yeah. So it's, but it's kind of like there is a little bit of an icky feeling of appropriation there, but that's not completely connected to the surf rock community i think some of it is probably indirect sure it's not it's subtle and it, there it's not things where like the surf rock community is actively racist but you think about like okay surf rock community what's the first word there it's surf okay how many black surfers are there right uh, but who's keeping black people from surfing no one who knows it's culture is it well? It's culture, but you know, the, it's something that's just—it's not there. It's a perceived and cultural. It's norm a perceived sort of cultural norm. That's fair, but yeah. that's—it's still racism. And there are black it, surfers. I see black people oh, definitely. out when I'm surfing. But you know, it's—it's it's something. The the other angle is like it's almost like it's something where if it doesn't exist, then it's hard to be like the first one. Sure, there to is do a it. there is a thing in surf rock though where people who are of they're a race or are of of you know a minority persuasion or a you know a unique element in their life will kind of lampoon that in their own stage act yeah like we just my band just played with a band called daikaiju that uh it's got that it's fronted by an asian guy and they wear like kabuki masks right and do this whole kind of like prog rock take on surfing and uh, they kind of play up the, uh, the Japanese or Asian element to it. Yeah. But that's his decision. He's kind of the front man of it, and that's kind of his personal identity or personal choice. There's another band, uh, I think, based out of either San Francisco or Los Angeles called Mashuga Beach Party. 
And I so, are they a Jewish band? Yeah, Jewish surf rock. They dress up like rabbis, but I'm pretty certain that the at least the front man and a couple other members are Jewish. Right. So it's like that's their choice to, you know, to kind of play off of that aspect of their identities. You know, right. I, I I don't think I can't think of any band that is you know doing something in that vein where it's not part of who they are. Yeah, well, and isn't there also, I'm thinking about this, like, I feel like there were some, I knew some kids doing surf rock when I was in Chula Vista. Uh-huh. They're doing kind of more like a surf punk sure. angle. And it's all like Hispanic kids. Like, isn't there yeah. a pretty heavy Latino influence? There, There's a huge Hispanic surf rock scene. Yeah. Like, a lot of Hispanic people are into it. One of the biggest surf rock bands there is right now is called Low Straight Jackets. Right, right. Uh, the the lead guy, uh, Eddie Angel, is Hispanic. Uh, they all wear wrestling, uh, like Mexican wrestling masks. Yeah. And he'll speak, uh, speak Spanish in between songs and stuff like that. And, you know, like I said, that's his, yeah. it's his decision. If, like, if a bunch of, bunch of white guys did that, then it would be iffy. Right. Uh, I have a suspicion, like I said, I think it's probably, it's, some of it, one is I think the surf rock community is pretty small overall. Sure. Compared to like other t- musical communities. Um, and it's probably just, a, uh, it's an, there's an interest level in, in like I said, in surfing. Uh-huh. And then I think there's also probably a, a heavy element of just like, well, no one else is doing it, so that sure. makes it harder. And I kind of think of like, like you know Darius Rucker, uh huh, aka Hootie, right, right. Uh, so he's like a big country music star now. Yeah, and I think he's like the first black country music star in like forty years. Sure. So the question is: Is do we not have like more black music stars because country music is racist, or because black people just aren't into country music? The answer there is both. I think. Sure. More, I think that's more changing, so. though. It's, country music's been changing so much. Country music's we should been move changing on. a lot. But we should move on yeah. to some other... We, music let's not, racism. Let's not get into country music. Yo, is this racist? <laughs> um, you want to talk about the new Mastodon album? I have not listened to it. Apparently, only, it's awesome. Yeah, apparently According it's awesome. to Cody Thompson. All right. Um, uh, Harry Kane wrote again. He, like, blasted out, like, three things right away. He yeah. Said, Actually, I kind of want to change my mind, add something. You should narrow down, like, two stackable drives for pretty cheap and used. Also, it could be, like, a drive with a boost. What I like to do is I like to stack a Tube Screamer-style pedal with an OCD. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a ton of cheap uh, Tube Screamer clones out there. And there is a really great OCD clone made by, uh, is that a Joyo pedal, the Ultimate Drive? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great OCD clone. You could replicate that uh, probably under $100, both those pedals. There you go. All right, moving on. Uh, Kenneth Gregory asks, talk about why it's hard to be a black Southern rocker in rural Mississippi. This is self-explanatory. Yeah. I I answered this on the on the group, and I actually said, I've never been anything other than white in Southern California. Yeah. So I cannot talk about this. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jimmy Jr. wants to know, uh, toys for Lil Johnny or that new Bass 6? Oh, wait, where is that? It's the one oh, right yeah. Uh, he, well, he, he started it with managing an active gear addiction while parenting. Yeah, that's not important. Uh, bass 6, every day. Every I day. Mean, I mean, when your kid gets older, you're going to teach him how to play that guitar, right? Yeah. I, it's this... It's all there this one answer boom base six you're gonna teach your kid to play it um you know the nice thing about buying used gear no i don't care about well 
I don't. I won't say I don't. I don't care about any of my guitars, but like Penelope uses my well. Like occasionally, I'll bring break one out and she'll be like, "Oh, can I play with it?" And I just let her play with yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Because I paid two hundred bucks. Who cares? Yeah. Well, my mom. Uh, she tried. She took guitar lessons in the seventies. And then I came along, and the guitar just sat in the closet my whole life. Yeah. And every now and then, I would pull it out, and I would lay it on the ground and strum it or, like, try to pretend that I knew how to play guitar and stuff. And I think you know, maybe that experience of just being able to fiddle around with an instrument made it less more, more it made it much less intimidating to actually start learning. Sure. Because I was always, already physically comfortable with a guitar being near me. Right. Sort of thing. Uh, next question. Another one from Kenny. What... You want New York music. I think that's supposed to be my music. Oh, you know what? Yeah, this that, isn't really a question. Yeah, then, let's read that. I, I was asking him to send his music, and we're going to play one of his songs today. Yeah. He was trying to ask, what, you want my music? Lol, it's highly offensive and not very flattering to gay dolphins, but I think I can find something. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, talk about how Epiphone Gibson headstocks break so easily. I wish we had Nate here. Oh, my gosh. So our worship leader, <laughs> uh, Nate... Has broken the headstock on his Gibson songwriter acoustic twice. Yeah. Well, he broke it literally the week after he was done getting it fixed. Yeah. Like he knocked over the stand and it snapped right away. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason they break is because the way Gibson designed their neck joint is just a very thin piece of wood. Uh, you look at the neck joints for other guitars and it's a thicker piece of wood. Right. And Gibson's probably never going to change it because, you know... People would be like, oh, why would you dare change the Gibson neck? It, oh, no, my tone. Yeah. I need um, to have it be just like you know, vintage Gibson. And some of that is they use like that that high angle uh-huh. uh, headboard. Yeah. Instead of, and so it's at an angle. And so when like, your guitar drops, it lands on the headstock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on I noticed on like your Hallmark, like it has the angle. So the reason that Gibson has the angled fret, or angled headstock is to increase the tension uh-huh. on the nut, the break it's, angle, the break angle, which is why like Fender guitars, because their headstocks are very shallow. Uh-huh. Fender guitars, that's why they have string trees. Other manufacturers that want to get the the break angle but don't want to have an angled headstock just have a shallower headstock with that's just like a deeper like the way your hallmark is. Yeah. It's a straight headstock but it's like definitely like a drop off of from the nut. Sure. Uh it's just like you said it's a Gibson tradition. It's something that like those things break so often too that uh luthiers know how to fix them in their sleep. Yeah. Unfortunately they know how to fix them in their sleep because they're fixing them all day yeah they're, like, they're, you see that break on like you know like so many gibson guitars you see on craigslist have already had that break and had it fixed it almost never negatively affects the resale value of the guitar just because it's so common which is a bizarre thing no it does it kills it does it yeah when i was looking up so when we were talking about that les paul the other day i looked him up on ebay and it's really hard actually to price a les paul studio on ebay because you have to, when you look at sold items because you have to actually read the description oh. a lot of you can get a Les Paul studio like a standard non-faded model the price range is probably like 600 to 800 okay if it's got a broken headstock it will never sell for more than $500 interesting i always assumed that it really didn't ding the value that much it doesn't change the playability if it's done, if the fix is proper it doesn't, from what I've been told, it doesn't really affect playability. Uh-huh. It doesn't really affect tone, 
but it's just the fact that it's broken. Gotcha. Like, think about, you know, if you took a strat, sawed off the horn, and then glued it back on. Right. Like, but that's not a common thing. It's like, not. I that's feel like true. the Gibson brake is so common that people don't blink at it that much when it's happened. I'm sure there's at least some question of if you were careless enough with something that breaks so often, what other parts of this were you careless with? Sure, sure. Okay, uh, another question from Kenny. Uh, he says, but I really would like to hear you guys talk on the many delay systems, like the Strymons and Eventides. Like, why should I spend money on something more processed like then to get standalone delays like the Memory Man or the DD6? But don't talk about, oh, well, this is cheaper to have all that in one, but actually talk about Soundwise, which is better. Uh, as far as delay goes, uh, you know, I don't think it's an effect that these days suffers that much by being digital. No. Uh, so, you know, there is something to an actual analog delay. There's a warmth there that, you know, you, whether it's imagined or it's real, it can feel better from an analog pedal. And so why not get an analog pedal? I really love my memory toy, which is a small version of the memory boy. Right. Uh you know, there's all sorts of other analog pedals out there uh, that are relatively uh, affordable. Yeah. He doesn't want us to talk about the money. Well, I mean, ultimately, the big ups with the Strymon and the Eventides are things like the models are really good. I think the big ups with those are things that delay sounds that don't exist in the analog world. Well, there's something like, like that. All the modulated delays, all the modulated reverbs, all the, like, you know, like shimmer effects... And you know, you know all the bizarre settings that you can get with those is really what they're all about, right? It's, but it, it's but for it's people also, that really want to explore that whole, whole yeah, world. There's the exploration, and it's also just you know you think about like a Strymon timeline's four hundred bucks, right? If you want like a classic tone, classic delay, a Deluxe Memory Man is three hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah. So for and I you know this isn't exa- I'm not saying that's like about cheaper. But part of the draw with Strymon is it's a high-quality digital delay, and you've got a bunch of them because it's a modeling pedal. Yeah. It's a delay model. And there's all the presets. Where you, can you can set a bunch of presets. Yeah. It's basically like a computer dedicated to delay yeah. that no, you're that, getting. It's not basically it's, that. It is yeah, that. And, and that's the same thing with the with the Eventide um, Time Factor, I think, is the, is from Eventide. Uh-huh. Um, so that's you're not getting something that's more processed you're getting something that is a bunch of different things. Sure. And so the comparison here of like... I mean, it is more processed though. It's... It depends because here he talks about like... Uh, he says it's a, to get standalone delays like the Memory Man or the DD6. It's more processed than the Memory Man. Sure. But the DD6 is a digital pedal. Oh, absolutely. Whether you get the Strymon or the DD6, the amount of processing that's happening to your signal is probably the same. Yeah. And if anything, the processing fidelity on the on the Strymon is probably higher. Yeah. So it's actually less affected by digital processing in the Strymon than sure. it is on the DD6. And I think on those things, you can even, if you want, you can dial in delays that do sound... Uh, over processed, yeah. Have, if you want to, you could like do lo-fi delays and stuff yeah. like that. Like, oh, this it sounds like it's got a really old, basic, you know, low bit chip in it. You know, yeah. Uh, so it it really depends on what kind of options you want. I honest, personally, I don't feel any need for all the big digital modelers of delays. I use delay very simply. 
So there's no reason for me to to go that direction. Even it's not even a money thing. So I don't want to dedicate that much space on my board to delay. You know, sure. I want to have other things that I think are more interesting. Yeah, it's just all about what you're what you're really looking for. Yeah. Adam Roher asks, talk about the rise of lunchbox amps. Uh, so if you're talking, if he's talking about, is he talking about the? Well, there's different lunchbox there's amps. A, uh, there's a handful of lunchbox. Box amps out there. One of the things that's made the rise of lunchbox amps possible is this whole, like, basically revolution, for lack of a better term, that's going on in low wattage. Yeah. Uh, if you need a low watt, if all you need is a low wattage amp, a tube, you can get a tube amp with this with smaller transformers uh-huh. because you don't need a t- like these massive hunks of iron because you're only putting out like five or ten watts and as long as you're playing a venue where you trust the sound guy you can stick a mic on anything and it's going to be the same volume out in the house yeah the flip side of that on you know on the solid state side is you've had like a couple different directions one is with like the zt lunchbox amps which are really small or these like different micro amps like uh i've got the crate power block and uh what it really comes down to is a lot of the like solid state manufacturers have started going to what they call class D power switching uh-huh. or class D power amps, uh, I think is what it's called. And basically, what it's allowed them to do is generate like a ton of power in the power amp section. So high wattage, but it's really lightweight. Oh, okay. So you just don't need like these massive capacitors. Do you remember that acoustic uh, B3 I had? I think it was like that it was one of the it was the second acoustic it was the one that i was using when i had the full stack yeah and like when you turn it on it would like light up yeah that thing was huge it was huge it was 300 watts uh it weighed more than my one by 15 cab yeah um and uh and that thing just had like massive transformers in it uh-huh a lot of manufacturers I mean, more than now ACI. a lot of the <laughs> robots in disguise I, that's terrible um <laughs> A lot of manufacturers now, some manufacturers are still making amps that way, but a lot of them are just using like smaller components. They're using like class D power amps to get like the same amount of power. That's the thing with, um, uh, with Mark base stuff. Uh-huh. Mark base has been able to make these ultra light high powered amps with stuff like that. Or uh, Casey talked about in the group this week, quilter, uh, quilter amps. And the quilter power, I don't, I don't know what it's called, power box or whatever, which is like their like micro head, uh-huh. is basically like the same principle uh, as the power block from Crate. Yeah, totally. Um, which is just these ultralight, high-powered I think that amps. stuff is really interesting because I'm seeing pictures of people just having them on their boards. Yeah. And the thought of just, you know, rolling into a venue, you unpack your board, and then you either direct into the system or you bring like a one by twelve cab with you. That sounds really attractive to me. Oh yeah. Like for you know, if you're gonna play gigs and that's a setup that works for your sound, why wouldn't you do it? Exactly. And you can see, so many stages out there are so small and so like this you know, your 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 real estate on the stage is so valuable. You could either have a half stack or you could have that room to stand around or even put a guitar stand or something, you know. Yeah. All right, I want to hit this last question after we talk about the song because, yeah. <laughs> it's a great question. It's a great question, but let's talk about the song first. Uh, let's do the song from Kenny. It's called Playing With Fire. Uh, Kenny is an old friend of ours, 
and uh, we have been graced with his songwriting before. We used to do a compilation uh, for Christmas, yeah, like a Christmas song compilation that he contributed to, I think, once or twice. Yeah, and he, he put in some pretty good tracks for that. Yeah, he did some great tracks for at least one. I can't remember a second one, but the one I'm thinking of was awesome. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this song. The, the recording quality is a little low. It sounds like he doesn't have a lot uh, to work with these days as far as recording goes. Right. Uh, so enjoy the song. Listen to kind of the way it's written. I think he's you know a competent songwriter for yeah. sure. If you've got ads you want us to check out, uh, if you've got a topic you want us to talk about in the future, hit up 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com uh-huh. or look for us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Yep. And here's that question from Casey Babcock, Bigfoot himself. (laughs) I know it's late, but maybe why don't music stores like Guitar Center sell hot dogs? They are the Costco of music gear. I'm playing with fire 
oh, oh, oh.